The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And today's guest is Susan Coleman. She's a professor of finance at the University of Hartford. She has spent many years working with finance, with financing for entrepreneurs, and particularly an emphasis with women and financing. She is the author, uh, co-author of a book, called A Rising Tide, Financing Strategies for Women-Owned Businesses. And she's here today to talk with us about some of the issues that women business owners face when it comes to financing. So welcome to the show today, Susan. Thank you, Kelly. I'm delighted to be here, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's. I gave a very brief uh, little introduction of you. Tell us a little bit about your background and your work in particular with women business owners and the financing challenges that they face. Sure, I'm happy to do that. I've been teaching finance for about 25 years, and over that period of time, uh, the number of women students in the field of finance has increased dramatically, and I think women are increasing their involvement in financial industries, financial study, financial degrees. And it really took me into the area of women and business and specifically women's entrepreneurship. I developed a course about 15 years ago on entrepreneurial finance, which is taught at both the undergraduate and graduate levels. And when I did that, I used a bunch of case studies, a lot of them from Harvard Business Schools. And one of the things that I realized is that most of the case studies featured male entrepreneurs. There were almost no case studies focusing on women entrepreneurs. So I said to myself, about 50% of the population are women, about 50% of my students are women, and we really need to increase our awareness and appreciation of women entrepreneurs and their role in business and their role in the larger economy. And that's really what brought me to the study of women's entrepreneurship and specifically the financing strategies of women entrepreneurs. So in all of your work and all of your studies and your programs and your teaching, what have you found, you know, in what ways are women entrepreneurs different than their male counterparts? Well, they're they're different in a lot of ways. They're similar in a lot of ways, but they're also different. Um, one of the ways that women are different is, and we talk about this in our book, Mm-hmm. is women frequently have a more diverse array of motivations. For example, women may want a growth-oriented firm that will enable them to develop a new product or service and to realize the economic gains that come with that. Or alternatively, they may want a home-based firm 
that allows them to balance the challenges of work and family, particularly for certain periods of life when when their children are younger. So what we see with women entrepreneurs is a broader array of motivations. Mm-hmm. Frequently also, women have different, all entrepreneurs bring resources into their firm. And a challenge for the entrepreneur is to bring in her own resources, but to also tap into the resources she does not currently have. And women are different in three key resource areas, financial capital, human capital, and social capital. And I'll talk about each of those briefly. Financial capital refers to money and wealth. And traditionally, women have lower earnings than men, and they have less accumulated wealth. So when a woman entrepreneur starts a firm, she doesn't have as much of her own financial capital that she can bring into it to launch the firm. In the area of education and experience, although women are very well educated in this country, it's often focused in different fields of study than men. For example, women are more likely to be in the health professions or in arts and sciences, Mm -hmm. whereas men are more likely to be in engineering or technology, which are really nesting grounds for entrepreneurship. Women today... Yeah, a lot of innovation, sure. Exactly, exactly. Today, women have a lot less experience in the most senior ranks of corporations. They're climbing the corporate ladder but there are still just a tiny percentage of women CEOs and women on corporate boards. So women are still not getting that senior decision-making experience. And finally, what we found is that women have different networks than men. Right. Uh, the, the, they call it the old boys network for a reason. I mean, those networks are there, and they're very strong and particularly when it comes to accessing key resources and accessing money, uh, women are often outside of those networks. So they're still learning how to develop those networks on their own and how to penetrate existing networks that will give them access to key resources. Mm -hmm. So I think those are some of the highlights of differences between men and women entrepreneurs. And it's, it's why it's worthwhile and timely to focus on both the opportunities and the challenges that women entrepreneurs face today. Yes, so with the differences that you just mentioned, what impact do those differences have on the size of business that women have, the revenues that they have, uh, those types of things? How do they play out uh, in real numbers Historically, although women represent about 50% of the population in the United States, they uh, represent only about 30% of entrepreneurs. So a lower percentage of women are actually starting their own firms than men. Uh, Women's involvement in entrepreneurship is increasing dramatically, but they're still lagging the participation Mm -hmm. rates of men. Historically, did you want to ask a question? Well, I was going to say, you know, uh, if you could clarify something for me, there have been numerous studies uh, put out over the last several years saying that, yes, women are starting businesses at rates 
higher than men. But what you're saying is that it, although that may be true uh, in the last several years, overall their numbers are still lower than men. The, the number That's of women correct. Is, we're okay. still we're still lagging on a percentage basis. Okay. About in the United States, about two thirds of entrepreneurial ventures are men owned and about mm-hmm. one third are women owned. So okay. women still have still have a way to go and that represents an area of opportunity. Yes. Historically and even today, the majority of women owned firms are very small. Uh about eighty seven or eighty eight percent of women owned firms are just the entrepreneur herself. In right, other words, employer. they're there's uh, one one employee, and that's that's the entrepreneur. So only about eleven or twelve percent of uh, of women-owned firms are what we would refer to as employer firms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so women-owned firms are still very very small. Uh, they have a low level of revenues compared to men, lower levels of revenues, lower levels of employment, obviously. So women mm-hmm. are just starting. To um, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg of women getting into the whole realm of growth-oriented entrepreneurship. And growth-oriented entrepreneurship are firms that start small just like everybody else, mm-hmm. but they grow very rapidly. And those firms are important for our economy because those are the jobs, those are the firms that generate significant numbers of jobs. Yes. And women are just starting to to get into that area. Yes. Let, now let's talk about the financing aspect a, a little deeper, go into that a little more deeply. Uh, how? What are the differences that you find in the financing strategies of women? You mentioned that they often don't have as much revenue. In fact, I think, what is it, somewhere between only between 2 and 4% of women-owned firms ever reach a million dollars in annual revenues. And... Uh, they have, as you say, a lot of them, 80-some percent, are actually non-employer firms. It's just the entrepreneur. How much of the, fa- how much of the way they approach financing uh, comes to bear on those kinds of statistics? Is, is it that they're not thinking big enough, or what, what is it? Well, I think there are a couple of factors that work. One is the fact that women have not had today women have not had a lot of role models in the area of growth-oriented entrepreneurship. When you think of the famous growth-oriented entrepreneurs, you think of people like Steve Jobs or uh, Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. or, um, you know, um, sure, the men that have started right. the growth-oriented firms you're less likely to think of women. So we have few actual role models. In addition, women, because they haven't had that senior level experience, they don't don't really know how yet they are still learning how to run, how to structure and run a major corporation. So they're, they're going up the learning curve of that. Yeah. Uh, in addition, from the perspective of stand, of financing, women are much more heavily dependent on their own personal financing and also sources of debt than they are on external equity. Mm-hmm. And as you know, for growth-oriented firms 
external equity in the form of either angel investors or venture capitalists are a key ingredient for growth-oriented firms. And women still are outside of those networks. They're still not. They're still only raising about 5% of all of the venture capital money in the United States. So they're just, again, just just getting their feet wet in that venture capital and external equity. Right. Uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, there are. There's still a limited number, but there are private equity groups and angel groups that are comprised of women who are looking for businesses run by women. So so there are some of these that are emerging. But as you said, there's a lot of room to grow. There's a lot of opportunity. And so when it comes to capital, do uh, what, what, what do you find, besides the internal sources, do you find that when women do begin to look externally that they're more likely to look then at a bank for their funding as opposed to the angel investors or the VC money out there? Well, the type of financing that an entrepreneur looks for really depends upon the type of firm she has and also her motivation and goals. Uh, if the goal is to be is moderate growth or relatively small or moderate size, mm-hmm. bank financing and earnings from the business may be sufficient. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if the motivation is really a growth-oriented firm that's going to be national or international in scope, uh, entrepreneurs typically have to tap into external equity. So a lot of the financing sources are really determined by the motivations mm-hmm. of the entrepreneur and the type of firm she starts. What I, What we found in our book is that women who are looking for more moderate growth tend to to rely more heavily on their own money, bank financing, and earnings for the business. Those who had more expansive goals in terms of wanting to develop a larger uh, type of company were actively looking for external sources of equity in the form of angel investors or venture capitalists. So we really found both, and it's it's very much dependent on the motivations and goals of the entrepreneur. Okay. And speaking of those motivations, you know, you did give some hard statistics, 87 88% of women-owned firms have no employee other than the entrepreneur. They tend to have very low revenues. And since the majority of women-owned firms are so small, the, are, are you suggesting or does your research suggest that women are reluctant to grow their firms or is there some sort of other, are there other factors in play besides just a reluctance to do it? I don't think women are necessarily reluctant to grow their firms. Mm-hmm. Many women want relatively small and manageable firms, but that's also true for many men. Entrepreneurs. I mean, if you think of your own community, it's full of small businesses that you deal with every day. And those businessmen and women are an integral part of the community providing products and services. And they really don't want to expand nationally. They want to be a small business in their community, and, and that's what their goal is. And that's true for both women and men. Mm-hmm. There is, however, a segment of growth-oriented entrepreneurs, both women and men, that 
really want to scale their businesses. They want to have a larger impact in terms of their product or service, and they also want to realize the economic returns and the financial gains that an entrepreneur who who launches a growth-oriented business can can realize. So I think that's traditionally those growth-oriented entrepreneurs have have almost always been men, but I think we're seeing a growing number of women, and there are some reasons for that. Uh, one is that women are gaining experience in corporations yes. and in running corporations. So they're gaining managerial experience, and we do now have some role models of women entrepreneurs in growth-oriented firms. Second, I think a growing number of women are grow- are going into the educational fields and disciplines that lead to growth, including biosciences, technology, engineering. Absolutely. And and third, as women are accumulating wealth and learning more about financial management, it positions them to not only be entrepreneurs, but also to be investors in other women entrepreneurs. So some of some of the firms that you referred to earlier that focus on women on women's entrepreneurship, firms like Golden Seeds, which provides both angel investor financing and also venture capital financing specifically to women-owned firms, an important part of their mission is educating not just women entrepreneurs but also women investors so yes. they know how to invest, how to evaluate a company, and how important it is for them to support women's entrepreneurship economically. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I hear, because I I work with a lot of women entrepreneurs and uh, work with the National Association, the National Association of Women Business Owners, have served on their national board and as national chair of that, uh, most recently, and one of the things that we hear over and over again, it's a stereotype, and, and I'm just interested in your take on this, is that women just aren't good with numbers. You know, women are relationship builders, women are intuitive, uh, women are all these other touchy-feely types of things, which are very important in running a business too, but that you know, they just don't have that knack for numbers. And throw it out there to you, what do you, what do you make of that? Well, as a finance professor, you can imagine that I'm not particularly <laughs> tolerant of that perspective. Um, over the years, about 50% of my students have been women, and women are just as good at numbers as men are. You know, the, the stereotype that women aren't good with numbers is just that. It's just a stereotype. It's, it's a myth, and it really doesn't hold uh, in practice women increasingly are gaining expertise in finance and they're gaining expertise in financial fields and industries. What I tell my students is finance is a skill like anything else. It's, you know, like tennis. It's like um, learning to play the piano. It's like um, any of these other skills you might develop. You learn the basics, you practice those skills over time, and over time you get to be pretty good. There's there's really no mystery with finance, and women are just as capable uh, in the area of finance as men are. And we can see that by the growing number of women accountants and the women in the financial services industry. So 
it's it's not a problem of ability. It's more a problem of perception and self-perception. Sometimes women lack confidence yes. in in financial areas, but they really shouldn't lack confidence because they're just as good, they're just as capable, and um, that that has borne itself out many, many times. You know, you mentioned earlier that one of the major sources of financing for women are for women owned businesses is bank loans. Uh if if they're gonna use an external ster, excuse me, an external source. And so as the women entrepreneurs who are listening today uh think about whether or not they, they should be approaching a bank for a loan, what are some of the strategies that the women that you researched in your book, what were some of the strategies that they used to acquire loans? Because there really is a strategy. I don't think some people realize that, men and women, that you just don't show up at a bank and say, oh, you know, I've got this company and I'd like to get a loan. There's there's actually a lot of work before you ever even approach the bank that goes on. So what, what are some of the suggestions you have for that? Some of the suggestions that our entrepreneurs talked about were really developing a relationship. Um one woman in particular said, you really want to develop that relationship before you need the money. Yes. So she started uh, making a point, first of all, researching banks and identifying the bank. Banks are very different. They focus on different areas of expertise. Some focus on um, large firms. Some focus on small firms. Some are local. Some are national. Some are multinational. So the first thing you want to do is research the banks and find the bank that's the right fit for you and your business. Then you want to meet the key people that will make decisions about giving you a loan, and you want to meet them before you need the loan. So you want to go in, you want to talk to the branch manager or the lending officer and develop a relationship and nurture that relationship over time. Another strategy that women used is even if they didn't need a loan, they would take a small loan and make sure they paid it off. So they would develop a track record with that bank. So the bank knew about their company, knew about them, and knew that if they loaned money to that company, they were going to get it back. And so then when the time came and the company needs a significant loan, you have a relationship, you have a track record, and that's something you can build upon. Right. What advice, as, as we start to close up here today, what advice would you give women entrepreneurs who are just starting out uh, in terms of networking? Because you mentioned early on that women's, you know, there's that good old boy network out there, and it's very tight, and that women, when it comes to the financing aspect especially, don't have as deep of networks. So what advice would you give women who are just starting out with their businesses in terms of networking so that when it comes time for the financing part of it, they have the connections they need? Networking is really important for all entrepreneurs, but I actually think it's even more important for women than for men. Because because of socialization and history, men are automatically in some in a lot of networks that women aren't in yet. So women have to actively try to develop their own networks and also penetrate existing networks. One of the things we talk about in our book is networking strategically. 
don't just network for the sake of networking because you're going to waste a lot of time. You want to network strategically. You want to, you want to first of all, do an inventory of resources. Find out what you already have in the form of human capital, social capital, financial capital, people, uh, and figure out who has what you don't have. In other words, who has those resources you need to gain access to. And those are really the people you want to network with. You want to network strategically so that you establish linkages with individuals or groups that will provide you access to the resources you need to make your firm successful. Right. And one of the uh, – this, this is uh, – well, how should I say this? Within that network, too, how important is it to have mentors or trusted advisors? Because there may be you – know, you've got your network of people who can open doors for you and so forth or perhaps provide you with – uh, services that you need, but what about the role of women when it comes to mentors and advisors? Are they as likely as men to get them, or do they try to do things more on their own? Uh, where, where do the mentors and advisors come into play? One of the great qualities of women entrepreneurs is I think they're very open to mentors and external advisors. They recognize they see entrepreneurship as an educational process. And as an educator, ed- educator that just strikes a familiar bell with me. Mm-hmm. But they are looking for mentors and they are looking for trusted advisors. And that's important for the entrepreneurs. Some of our entrepreneurs have talked about the fact that what they get from their advisors and their mentors is not just company-specific or industry-specific information but also emotional support. And that emotional support is so important because an entrepreneurial journey has its hills and valleys. So you have your ups and downs. And if you're a new entrepreneur or an inexperienced entrepreneur, you may hit some of these bumps in the road and say, oh, it's all over, I'm a failure. And you really need somebody there who knows the ropes, who's been through it, and can say to you, no, this is part of a process. You're going to hit some bumps. You know, you're on the right track. Stick with it. Or alternatively, you might want to adjust and go this way a little bit. So I think that mentoring and advisory function is so important for women, particularly because they don't have a lot of senior management experience or prior entrepreneurial experience. One of the greatest advantages that serial entrepreneurs have is they've been through it before. So they know about the ups and downs, and they're not going to panic when they hit the bumps in the road. Sure. You know, a woman woman who's never been through that before may think, oh, this isn't going to work. I'm a failure. And and it's not that at all. It's just that's the way the process works, and you've got to stick it out. So that's where I think mentors can be so helpful, not just in factual support and informational support, but also in in emotional support. Absolutely. So just in closing here, if you had three pieces of advice, I'm I'm just going to say three, uh, if you have more, if you have less, uh, but if you have three pieces of advice for uh, an aspiring woman entrepreneur in particular, someone who's just starting out, what, what would it be? What would you tell her? I think there are three things that I would say to a woman entrepreneur. 
First, be strong and be confident. Women have a tendency to underestimate their capabilities. And if you want to be an entrepreneur, you really have to believe in yourself and your goals, and you have to establish networks that include other successful women entrepreneurs so you have role models. Second, develop your financial literacy and skills over time. Um, Ultimately, the, the buck stops with you. So even if you don't feel confident in your financial abilities, you need to develop those skills, develop your expertise, so that you can talk knowledgeably about finance and manage the financial affairs of your company. Uh, There's no magic to finance, and as I've said earlier in this interview, women are just as good as men. You just need to learn the skills, practice them, and gain confidence. Third, identify the resources you need to make your firm successful and develop a plan for how to go after them. No entrepreneur starts out with everything she needs. So you need to assess the resources you already have, do that personal inventory, and then figure out which resources you need to acquire. And finally, develop a plan for how you're going to acquire those resources that you need to to launch your firm and make it successful. Great advice. And Susan, if anybody would like to get a copy of your book, A Rising Tide, where would they find that? Uh, A Rising Tide is available at Amazon.com in hardcover, softcover, and Kindle edition, and it's also available through through Stanford University Press. Okay. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? They can contact me at my email address, which is scoleman at hartford.edu. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate all of your insights, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you at the conference next week. I am very much looking forward to it, and it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Kelly, and to share these thoughts and this information with your listeners. Thank you so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.